Welcome to the Joyful Journey podcast. If you're uncertain about what you really want or unsure how to be a force for good you know this world craves, then this is the show for you. I'm Anita Adams, your host and guide to finding clarity and creating a life you love. Let's tap into our inner wisdom, access our highest self, and unleash joy. As we raise our vibration, we heighten the collective consciousness, and that, my friends, is the joyful journey. Let's dive in. Hey, Joyful Journeyer, Anita Adams here, your host of the Joyful Journey podcast. And today I am excited to introduce you to Beverly Kievman Copen. Beverly is an entrepreneur, author, photographer, and public speaker who has received widespread recognition for her work with businesswomen around the world. Beverly started her entrepreneurial journey at the age of 24 when she was asked if she'd like to take over a talent agency. At the time, she was a new mother with a six-month-old and worked part-time for the agency simply checking messages. The owner got bored of the business and offered it to Beverly for $1. Beverly turned that talent agency into one of the largest agencies in the southern U.S., which she then ran for 15 years. That's just the beginning of Beverly's remarkable journey. Beverly is from Atlanta, Georgia, where she has spent most of her career and where she has received awards naming her as one of Atlanta's top saleswomen and Georgia's most influential woman. Today, we are going to talk about some of the themes in Beverly's new book, It's Your Life, Isn't It?, which reminds us that if you believe in yourself, anything is possible. She also reminds us that joy is not in reaching the destination. The joy is in the journey and how you choose to live that life. Is there any wonder why I thought Beverly would be a perfect guest for the Joyful Journey podcast? Welcome, Beverly. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Anita. I am (laughs) delighted to be here and hope we can uh, inspire a person or two or 12 or 20 uh, (laughs) or more uh, in wanting to take control over their own lives. Yeah. Remember that it is their life. It is your life, isn't it? It is your life, isn't it? Indeed. And speaking of inspiring stories, you have so many to share in your book. Stories of taking leaps of faith, stories of people doubting you or trying to discourage you, but you move boldly forward anyway. And one of my personal favorite stories is the one you shared that um, where you requested a meeting with Prime Minister of India, Indra Gandhi, and I I think it was 1983, uh, mm-hmm. the first and only female prime minister of India to date. Can you share that story with us? Why did you want to meet her and how, how did you make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> that actually, it's the, it's the closing um, story in my book. Um, <laughs> um, I, I was uh, invited to um, do some sales training, advanced sales training in India. How I have no idea, but but, but I was, and um, I took a year of preparation um, to read books to learn all about what people thought and how their minds work. Because if you're dealing with um, um, in Indian sales executives all over India, five different courses, five different um, um, 
programs, then um, they have to have have to have credibility, and they have to believe that I know what their life is like. So I spend a lot of time preparing for that, and um, pretty much, pretty much with about three months to go, I said, you know what, I'd really like to do. I'd like to meet the Prime Minister, Indira Gandhi, and of course, everyone I mentioned that to thought I was beyond crazy. And so I said, well, can you help me find out a way to do it? Nobody could help me. Not anybody could help me. So um, I did the most logical thing I could think of to do since I was teaching sales training. <laughs> um, I wrote her a letter <laughs> and asked for an appointment. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Yeah, and so um, I told her when I was going to be uh, in New Delhi, which was the last day of my month journey, and that um, and I'm asked, I requested a, a meeting on that day at a specific time uh, because my my seminar started at ten. <laughs> so um, um, I, I had nobody could help me figure out how to do that. Um, and so I mailed it to Prime Minister Indira Gandhi, you know, New Delhi, India. Uh, and I just, I told, I had a letter in there explaining who I was and what I wanted to talk about, which was, of course, nothing significant um, in, in reality. And, uh, and so I took an additional copy with me of everything that I had sent her. And when I got to India, um, my host, uh, Indo-American Society in Bombay, uh, I, they welcomed me and I said, I have a favor to ask. Uh, I have sent this um, uh, package to um, Prime Minister Indira Gandhi, and I'd like for you to please um, make sure that she, here's, a, here's a, a duplicate. Would you please see that she, she gets that? My host at that point thought he had made a serious judgment in <laughs> inviting me to come over. He <laughs> thought I was beyond crazy. Um, do you know how many hundreds of thousands of people want to meet the prime minister? No, I said, no, I don't. He said, and he went on and on. Every, every, everybody wants to meet the prime minister, even see her. I said, I understand. Would you please send it to her? Make sure she gets it. Okay. So I start my first seminar a couple of days later, and that was the first one. And um, at that point, um, I started and the first day went well. Uh, and the second day was about halfway through when Mr. Krishnan, my host, um, came, broke into the seminar and came down the aisle very quickly, raving in his hand, the telegram, confirming my appointment with the prime minister on the day that I asked at the time that I asked <laughs> and uh, with a giant smile on his face. And so I became a kind of a local hero and my programs began to build, you know, word <laughs> travels fast in India. And so that's how I got the appointment. Um, but I knew that anything could change, uh, anything, obviously anything at all. So the day came it, after five, four weeks later, the, the day came when I was in New Delhi and uh, I uh, was dropped off there. I passed dozens and hundreds of people waiting to see her just walk by. Hmm. And uh, I had a little purse. I had a little camera in my little purse. And I was given guidelines, but I knew exactly what I could do and what was not appropriate. And so um, they ushered you did me your in. research before going yeah, yeah. the whole year of prepping. <laughs> yeah. And so um, they ushered me into her dining room. And lo and behold, two minutes later, there she was, oh. the two of us. 
Um, and and they left you alone, just the two of you. Yeah, the, yeah, wow. the two of us. Yeah, the two of us. And uh, I tried to stay calm. <laughs> anything else would have been pointless. Uh, anyway, so I had things prepared to give to her, which I thought would be quite appropriate. And one of them was my my book on for saleswomen. And oh, you wrote that book? And so um, I presented the little things to her, and I could tell her relaxing. Uh, I knew it might be a 30 second. Thank you so much for coming into my country. It's very nice to have met you. Goodbye. <laughs> um, but it wasn't. Um, 25 minutes later, hmm. the two of us, um, uh, it was time for me to you know, conclude. And I said, I have in my purse. So they said, don't reach for anything. I, my hands were on the desk. I have in my little tiny purse, a little tiny camera could you possibly ask someone to come in and take a picture of the two of us? And um, uh, she went like this underneath the table and within a fraction of a second, somebody came in and, and she told them to whatever she told them. And so they came back in with a grown-up big boy camera. <laughs> grown <-up> big boy. <laughs> <laughs> and they took a picture of the two of us, um, which I still have, which is in the book. I know, it's beautiful. Uh, and, and I said, would you mind asking him if he could take one with my little camera also? And so they did. And it wasn't me there. I'm sure I was in that room. I was probably some off on a cloud floating somewhere because it couldn't possibly be me from Atlanta, Georgia, in with the prime minister of India, having this extraordinary conversation. And uh, it was, it was uh, the one thing that turned it around, I think, especially, I already knew about what I wanted to say, because if she said, can you tell me um, something about whatever it was? And I said, I'm going to be doing some speaking um, around the United States, possibly other countries about my trip to India. If there is one message that you would like for me to convey in my speech, in my talks, can you tell me what that would be? 15 minutes later, hmm. she was still talking about it. Oh, what wow. she wanted me to say, the difficulties, how, and everything that was, it was, it was phenomenal. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted to cry, but I didn't, that would take up too much time. And so, <laughs> so, and so I, I did not. Um, and so we concluded and I, and I left. And um, one year later in the dining room is where she was assassinated. Hmm. So that was um, a moment in time um, that I will never, ever, ever forget. And the important thing of the message in my book, and anytime I have a chance to tell this story is, ask for what you want. Exactly. Don't forget to ask for what you want, no matter how outrageous it is, or people tell you it is. Mm -hmm. Just ask for what you want. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that story. I was uh, captivated myself uh, in it and uh, in the in the reading of of the story. And I thought it was I know it was the last story of your your book, and I just thought it was a, a good one to also start um, this interview with because mm -hmm. we're we do limit ourselves all the time by just thinking, you know, like who am I to ask for that? Who am I to do this? Thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. why not just ask what just why would anybody listen to me 
Well, yeah, yeah. I do want to presence uh, that you did a lot of work before going into uh, into that meeting, before going, before presenting anything to the prime minister. Uh, mm-hmm. You, I don't think you didn't mention it here, but in in the book, you talked about uh, you actually. If I I may have this slightly wrong, but I believe you reached out to politicians in Georgia and asked them to write letters of reference mm-hmm. for for you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that you know like reach out to who you can to help get you further along but you put you didn't just send a letter and say hey I'm I'm Beverly I want to meet you you were very methodical and intentional mm-hmm. about your process to to get that interview and and um, I think that's really important to to mention you you had the the belief in yourself that you can do this and you did the homework to yes. make sure you can open the door. And then you did the f- homework even further. Once you got, you knew you had that appointment, how do I behave in the presence of the prime minister of India? And I think all of that is really, um, really important. So again, thank you for sharing that. Uh, wonderful. Thank you for mentioning all the prep work that, that went into it because it didn't just happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it, it pays off. If you, it's one thing to have dreams and then you got to, that what you need to do to execute it all. There's a lot that goes behind it, you know, and, and I think it's really important that we, we acknowledge that. So well done. Kudos to thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me just remind you of what the title is on, on, on the subtitle of It's Your Life, Isn't It? For this version, the English version, it says, I'm looking at the front cover, making a difference begins with I have an idea. <laughs> yes, I forgot that. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, making a difference begins with I have an idea. Uh-huh. Lovely. You let anybody pop up your bubble. <laughs> no. Well, and okay, and that that's going to lead me into the next um, question I want to go on. This is a little bit of a long-winded thing, so bear with me. In there. your book, you ask your audience a really important question. Are you allowing outside influences to determine what you believe is successful? You mm-hmm. also suggest that many people feel enormous pressure from others who try to impose their values on them. And mm-hmm. you say that in order to achieve your dreams, you need to know your priorities and what's important to you. So mm-hmm. the obvious conclusion is that if you don't have clarity about what you want, you will be more easily influenced by others. In essence, having that clarity gives you that backbone where you can stand strong in the pursuit of your dreams. And I read recently, and I might've actually read this in your book, I'm not 100% certain, certain about this, that knowing that most people go through life not knowing what they really want. Was that in your book or is that in another one of my many? <laughs> I don't think I would have ever said that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, and I, I, I'm going to have to find where that reference was uh, yeah. to see where, if I can validate it. Oh, no, but you're it, right. No, I remember. It I was remember. a friend of yours that said yes, to you, right? Yes, it was a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, I said I was sobbing because something, you know, fell apart. And when I had to close my business uh, because yeah, my, yeah. my husband was, was so ill and about to lose his second leg in his life. And uh, he, and I was, I was crying saying, oh. Um, it, it was my dream. It, it was, it was, it's never going to happen. He, and he said, you're absolutely right, but you knew what you wanted yeah. and that was worth everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's so what a good memory. That was really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it struck a chord with me um, because I, part of what I, I do, the work I do is, is helping people find that clarity. 
you know, because I think clarity is so important. If mm-hmm. you if you want to create a life that you want, you got to be really super clear mm-hmm. on on who it is you choose to be and what really um, resonates in your heart. So, um, and and I'm like, oh, that's interesting that this you know person believes that um, that most people don't have that clarity. And I and I agree. I think there's so much truth to that. So. Um, so I want to know what your process is for finding clarity so you can powerfully move towards achieving your goals and, and not allow those negative influences to affect you. If I may, Hmm. I need, um, I have to go step back a minute because, um, this book, as you may or may not remember, started, um, in the, in, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I lived there three years. And after those, I studied the culture. I studied everything about um, behavior and language and everything. And so when I got invited to, after that time to go back to Japan a year and a half or two later after I returned to the United States, um, I, I was invited to um, give a program on entrepreneurship mm-hmm. for men and women in Japan. They paid my way and gave me a fee. And I think I might have mentioned that I it's a three-hour program, and I knew that I was told I would be on there for um, about 45 minutes. I said, okay. So I got there, and there were maybe 30, 40 people, men and women, and there was no other speakers. It was me. <laughs> and so I now had three hours instead of 45 minutes. And so knowing the culture, and this is part of what uh, I'm getting to, knowing the culture, I knew what behavior to expect and what I had what I could say that would um, resonate with the people who were there. And so at the end of the three hours, um, a young woman, they all stayed the whole time. Um, the young, a young woman came over and introduced herself to me as the editor of Diamond Publishing in Tokyo. And um, she said, I like the way you think. And I wonder if you would be interested in writing a book for Japanese market for, um, and, and, and um, we would have it translated into Japanese and my, my, com- my company, my, you know, who I work with will publish it. And so of course I said, yes, why not? <laughs> um, and it took over a year to think about who, what, why, when, and where, mm-hmm. and how would that work? So part of what I'm getting at now is during that process, I had to make sure that the, the behavior traditionally of wives and husbands would be heard and not resented by the husband. If it sort of was more for women than not, and it had to be sort of also for the parents. So in, in the goal setting chapter, that's in chapter three of my, of, of my book, it's a whole chapter on goal setting, short-term, medium-term, long-term, mm-hmm. after anything changes in your life. And so part of what had to happen is that there had to be an agreement, um, spoken or unspoken, that if I am going to try this, let's just say the female wants to do whatever she wanted to do, she has to discuss that with her husband and make sure that he's okay with it. And therefore, he would be supportive of her doing what it was she wanted to do with her life uh, and still not neglect him. And the same thing with the parents who had the rigidity of previous previous generations. And so there had to be agreement. Everything in Japanese culture had to be done with agreement. 
So that is part of the process. That's what you were asking me about. Why did I believe that so strongly? It's because you can't just say, here's what I want to do. It's who are you going to be influencing? Who are you going to be up against? Who's going to say, you got to be kidding. <laughs> okay, uh, interesting. So identifying all the people in your life that are either going to be supporting you or not supporting yeah, you potentially, yeah, and then yeah. having that conversation with those with those people and how they will benefit and how oh show them the benefits of what you're doing that's interesting yes yeah yeah everybody's got a benefit it's got to be a what's in it for what's in it for me everybody wants to know what's in it for me yeah 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 so it was because of understanding that culture that I transposed that into the uh, English version as well because that is so important that's really interesting um and I don't think our Western society thinks quite like that, do we? Like, I mean, we, we, we are thinking about what is it that I want, not how is it going to impact others in my life necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, you're right. You're right. Um, it would be the, uh, the um, unusual for, yeah. for uh, let's just say, a female to be um, asking, um, saying what it is she wants. Mm -hmm. um, for the next six months, the next year, and here's what I will do, and here's how I will be able to work it with you. To give you a teeny example, when I was working with the talent agency, um, which by the way, um, in 2019 celebrated its 60th, 606th wow. anniversary um, uh, for Atlanta Models and Talent. Um, but my, my, my two children um, were um, in, the, in their teen, early teenagers, and so I made sure that they knew when I'm gone, when I'm away working, work, 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 because uh, I was on commission only. Uh, I, I had to make sure they knew that if we, if I get this, uh, this series of things accomplished and make these sales, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to do together. Mm -hmm. We're going to go out to your favorite dinner. We're going to do whatever it is that you want. You pick it. And we're going to do that together because I can now afford to do it. Right. So I'm, I was getting the same thing. I was asking, here's what I have to do in order for us to do those kind of things together. Mm -hmm. I, I do. I really do find that interesting. And I, I realize that I have not done that too much. Like I've, I have not really, I've been so focused on what it is that I want and how it's going to be good and, you know, be good for me and, and uh, listening to my heart going after what I really want. And I see the grander, bigger picture and how it, the work I'm doing, I think is, has a really positive impact, but I've never actually pitched the things I want to do and how it can benefit my husband or benefit my, my kids. Um, and I, I see there could be a lot of value in, in doing that. So thanks for bringing that up. That's really, it's a really interesting thing to, to reflect on. So you, you got to get clear on what it is that you want first, obviously, yes, and yes. then, and then sharing that with those key people in your life is it basically what that does is you're creating your, your, hopefully you're getting your, your cheering squad behind you back, really supporting you. Um, yes. So, and you're getting that, that buy-in from them and then potentially eliminating obstacles. You know, yes. if they have a better picture of what you're doing too, they're more likely to support it. So I, I, I want to tell you, I commend you truly for acknowledging that maybe you could have done better in that area. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, there's lots of areas in my life. I could have done better. <laughs> That's very, that's very, that's very deep and honest. <laughs> okay, good. 
Oh, it's all part of the joyful journey. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, goal setting, actually, as we're on that. Um, you say that it's so important to have goals that it can dramatically affect, have a dramatic dramatic effect on a person's life. And I want you to elaborate on that, that little bit. Um, how does it have a dramatic effect on somebody's life by having, having these goals? Um, it's different than a New Year's resolution. I want to lose 10 pounds again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the same 10 I didn't lose before. <laughs> um, this is being very specific. Uh, it, and it's, it is a very long chapter in the book. Um, and it relates to every phase of your life um, for setting a goal. Because it may be that you are really good at a lot of your roles in life. But there may be other roles in life that need some work. And so part of the goal setting process is to identify the things that you are good at and make them a little better. But then more importantly, if communications with children and, and um, loved ones, let's put it that way, uh, needs attention, then that would be take a priority mm. in setting of the goals, let's just say short term, three to six months. So you can focus on it with a time frame, not that it's forever. Mm -hmm. Let me see what I can do now that would little steps. I, I believe so firmly in little steps, yeah. especially for during pandemic times and everybody, all the people who think that their goals are, have gone to pot. So mm -hmm. this maybe that are bad extreme. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, who are, they're not able to do what they wanted to do. And so my, my concern, my advice, so to speak, is uh, rethink your goals and make them more short term because short term is doable. Maybe that trip over to overseas isn't the greatest idea for right now. Either put it on your five year list, your three year list, or take it off all together for right now. Mm -hmm. Because having something on your goal list that is um, impossible to reach uh, within a reasonable period of time is going to become a negative. Right. And you feel like a failure if you don't, uh, if you don't do it, which can yeah. get in yeah. your way. Yeah. Um, so how concentrate, often do, concentrate on short term? Yeah. Um, how often do you recommend reviewing your, your goals? Well, that's an excellent question. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it, you can always do something like every time a birthday that has zero in it. <laughs> Every birthday has a zero. Okay. That's 20, it? Like that, I, I thought you were going to see, say, you know, once a week or once a month. Are you talking no, about I, I am going to, but I'm starting to be vicious at first. Uh, um, no. Uh, that would be better than what some people do, I suppose, is where you're going. <laughs> if you just do it every 10 years. You know, whenever there's a change going on in your life that you either have control over or you do not have control over. That's when you need to relook at your goals mm. and adjust them according to what reality is. Mm. Whatever the age, whether it's 18, whether it's 48, whether it's 78, that's the time when you feel like I can't reach those long range goals. I can't go over to Europe right now. I can't do this, I can't do that, but I can do the following things, right. little things. So um, it's, it's whenever there's something change, um, um, uh, you know, the death of somebody, somebody sick, whenever those kind of things pop into your life that were unexpected, like a mm -hmm. pandemic, that's yeah. when you, that's when you have to um, look at your goals and say, what is possible now and what is not possible right now? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I'm just reflecting on um, my own experience recently. Well, with the pandemic, when it hit, um, we were supposed to move to India for a year in uh, oh, September, oh okay. September 2020. And uh, by I think it was probably May of 2020, we had to make the decision. It just wasn't looking like it was going to be possible with the pandemic. And, you know, it was definitely not a couple month thing with the pandemic. So we, uh, we canceled that trip and it didn't, it felt because we, we had something, we, a goal we had been working towards and planning for, for five years. And so I wasn't overly disappointed though, because it's like, okay, we can't do that now. And we Mm -hmm. just slid it over and said, okay, we're going to probably do it in three to five years time is Mm -hmm. what is realistic. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and I was fine with it. My husband was fine with everybody was fine with it. And I was really surprised a lot of people commented, you must be so disappointed. And like, well, nothing I can do about it it's you know it's completely out of my control Mm -hmm. and I am going to go to India just not right now so Mm -hmm. it just it helped by knowing that I can take this goal and just slide it over helped me and my family go yeah okay we'll we'll still do do this it's just going to be at another time (laughs) yes but you didn't erase it from your goal list not at all moved it aside yeah yeah I I love that yeah, yeah. And I hadn't really thought about it in the terms you're talking about. Um, and I think that's a really powerful thing to do. Just know that you can, you know, you don't, this is not a hard and fast, uh, you know, carved in stone roadmap. This, this is, these are milestones and different things that can move around to a time when you can achieve these goals, you know, and, and it's possible that things will change in your life where you don't even want that to be a goal. There might come a time where I'm like, yeah, you know, India is not really what I want to do. And that's fine too. Right. That's fine too. (laughs) As long as it's agreement to the people that you're affecting that you're going to, that you planned it with, as long as they say that's okay for now. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I love that you're presencing the the collaboration with people in your life, how important that is. Mm -hmm. Good. That's a good, that's a big takeaway for me. Really good. Um, You said something else in your, your book that I really liked. Very few things in life are truly unreachable. If you have a vision are willing to risk being Mm -hmm. laughed at and -hmm. are prepared for consequences. If you fail, I want Mm -hmm. you to elaborate on that last bit. What do you mean by being prepared for consequences? If you fail, are you talking about like doing a risk assessment or is it more the willingness to accept failure as a possibility? Excellent question. Um, (laughs) Risk is a big part of everyday life. Mm -hmm. It is for me because I, um, I'm not afraid of risk. I would not want to do a tightrope walk because because I don't know how, but I do know how to assess a risk. And um, for me, um, if something has a high risk value, I will put put down pros and cons. If I do this, what are the positive things? And if I do this, what are the potential downsides? And I ask myself this one question, if I do everything right and it still fails, What's the worst possible thing that could happen? If I can live with that before I even begin, what's the worst possible thing that could possibly happen? I'd have to close my business. You know, what is the thing? If I ha- if that is the worst thing that could happen, can I live with that? Then I would move forward. Hmm. But you've got to ask that closing question mm-hmm. uh, in order to be able to determine if it's a good risk or if, if your answer is, I don't think I could deal with that then you can't go forward with the project or whatever, whatever the it is. 
Mm. Well, that, I, that's interesting. Uh, I think a lot of people don't move forward with things because they're afraid of rejection. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of judgment and that stops them in their tracks. Mm-hmm. But where am I going with this, Anita? <laughs> I think about it for a minute. Yeah, no, it's what you're saying is, can I live with that? And I, I think a lot of people think that they can't live with rejection. They can't live with the with what other people will think but the reality is they really can they can live with with that or maybe i'm maybe they can i don't know maybe i'm being a little harsh on that but i I feel like that's the one thing that stops so many people from moving forward is because they're so fearful of what other people think and say yes and but that's not a is that really a legitimate consequence maybe it is for some people I don't, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts, Beverly? <laughs> well, it would depend on your upbringing. Yeah. Um, if you had parents who kept saying, don't do that because, or yeah. you shouldn't do that because, or, um, and that is how you kind of um, grew up uh, thinking maybe, uh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not smart yeah. enough. Maybe I'm not whatever enough. Well, and therefore it, the seeds are planted. The seeds are planted. Yeah. Um, and I, and- I think that that's what a huge number of people suffer from, I am not enough and they can't move forward. And I want to know how, how do we help people move forward with that belief? How do we, you know, because it, that is their, I can't, I can't live with that consequence of somebody else judging me. If you take the title of my book, it's your life, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) You hold it up in front of the people who saying that to you. And, and then the answer would be, then it's not your life. Don't read this not book because it's, it's not your life. You, yeah. don't, you don't want to invest in the strategies part of it's the, all the way through my book, which you know is not just you need to do this, you can do this, you should do this, but it's how do you do this? Mm-hmm. Every single chapter has strategies on how to move forward, whether you need training, whether you need outside resources, it's filled with how to do something, mm-hmm. not just here's some good ideas for you. Right. So you can create the belief in yourself, you know, taking yes. these actions to create the belief in yourself. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the answer is read Beverly's book. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you believe in yourself. Oh, very, very good. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit um, and share, talk about the, the journey to discovery. You did, you presenced it a little bit already, your Japanese mission. And this is something you did with your late husband with the purpose of showing a big American corporation the way of Japanese life and to create greater understanding between these two cultures. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about this mission and what was your biggest takeaway from this particular experience? You said it was three years and then you you. I think it was a one week experience that you created for the Americans that you brought in. Um, And I just want to know what, what did you personally take away from that, um, that experience of bringing these two cultures together? It's back to the do homework. It's back to the listening. There's an enormous amount of listening that, that must happen in any culture, but particularly Japanese. Um, I I would go to uh, with, I went with, with Mel Copen, Dr. Mel Copen, who we got married at our going away party. Um, 
um, but um, that we would go to briefing sessions and the biggest um, wrongdoing that uh, that uh, mostly Americans have when they go over to Japan is they continuously interrupt um, the Japanese speaker because they have whatever the solution is, they have a better solution. And that isn't the way the culture works. There, no one can make a decision in Japan without collaborating with their colleagues. It's not a spontaneous one-on-one -on -one conversation. Mm -hmm. And so the listening part is something that is very difficult for a lot of um, business people who travel to Japan or move to Japan for short periods of time. If they only heard my point of view, they would want this, but that is not the case. They may want this. They may think it's the best sliced bread ever, but unless you talk with them and say, what do you think about this? What do you think? Uh, and listen to as long as that person wants to talk. And then you ask, what is the process for getting something like this into your company? You're asking um, a question because if, the, if you don't know the answer, you have to ask the question. <laughs> and so the biggest takeaway for me was the necessity for learning the, the culture of the country and listening to what, what you're told and listening to what you're not being told. Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't get to be invited to write the book just because um, I was, you know, an outspoken female um, talking to a group of, of Japanese. It was, they understood that I know the process. Yeah. And you demonstrated that you're a good listener. I had lived it. And you lived it, yeah. I had lived it for three years. And during that period of time, um, after about six months, I said to Mel, who was working at the International University of Japan, that was his assignment, and I'll, I was simply studying and learning and the language and culture. Um, I said, oh, this, the Japan that we're seeing is not at all like the, the challenge, the, the Japan that is portrayed in the American media. And so uh, we talked about that a lot and we created a program. Um, with the university as, as part of the partnership. And I reached out to the organization called the Committee of 200, uh, su superb entrepreneurs of which I was a member um, and told them about this opportunity. I said, we need to have some kind of an international uh, experience here. And so the, the answer back then was send a fax and send more email and, 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 and tell me what you have in mind. So I created an, a, an outline for a program. I called it the Journey for Discovery Japan. And I sent it to Committee of 200 and they said, we love it, we wanna partner with you. And so we set all the details. And then for another 18 months, I worked on that full-time as a volunteer. Wow. Uh, creating that program so that these American women and their husbands and their families who came with them uh, would understand what I spent three years learning. They would understand the mindset of the Japanese people. They would understand that what they saw and thought believed to be true is not necessarily what is the reality. They saw the warmth of the people. Mm -hmm. They saw the size of things in the store and why you can't just do everything automatically. Everything is different. Everything is different and you have to understand all of those things. So we had some extraordinary, it was a one week program that was um, the, the, the last, almost the last week um, before we came home, one week. Mm -hmm. And that program uh, was a combination of listening to Japanese women talk about 
arranged marriages and how they felt about it. And the honesty that was conveyed was extraordinary. And going to rice farmers and finding out why is this such a hot topic? It was going to the sources of all the things that weren't doing, that were misunderstood, it would be the way and put make making it a combination of a program and then going and meeting the people we had a, a high school inter in a pen pal prog program for the women with high school students in a japanese high school and so we covered every phase of education and and, and ministry uh, um, and and work uh with this group and and then we went three days from the little town where we lived into Tokyo for the high tech world. Mm -hmm. And so one week and uh, it changed everybody's mind who went. Mm -hmm. They understood what they never understood before. And they were still talking about it years later in the meetings. They were the ones who didn't go were so sorry they didn't go. Yeah, I, I like that. that one of the things was they understood what they didn't understand before and just taking the time to understand mm -hmm. each other is so key you you quoted your husband and unfortunately i didn't think to um, write it out before this interview but you quoted your your husband about uh, what he felt this the importance of this it was a bridging a gap at build trust between these these two um, these two cultures mm -hmm. and then and how that opens more doors and and just creates the relationships and the reason I, I wanted to bring bring this up, bring this story up is because the Joyful Journey podcast, um, our bigger goal is to, to heighten the collective consciousness, to move us to a kinder, more compassionate world, mm -hmm. it's to basically it's to harmonize humanity. And I, I feel like the work you and your husband did in Japan is a beautiful example of that in action. So, you know, what, it's just wonderful. So thank you for, for doing that and sharing the story and um, helping us to think about how can we just listen more you know like we can do it doesn't have to be between cultures i mean just in north america alone there's so we're so divisive right now you know and mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. if we can just listen and try to understand mm -hmm. other people's perspectives mm -hmm. i think we, we could move forward and move through some of the challenges the listening is the key the listening the asking of a question a sincere question yeah. and just listening to the answer yeah be curious it's, yeah it's 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 a, it's a, it's it's the one of the most important things that i i do yeah the question and listen to the answer yeah absolutely okay so that leads me to um one more question you know drawing on this experience and many of the others that you have, what is one thing that you think we can do as individuals to harmonize humanity? Oh my goodness. I don't know if I could even um, begin to answer that question. Um, <laughs> well, we kind of we kind of have in a way, you know, like well, listening is one really good thing to do. Um, I think it was like my saying with the with the with the setting of goals, baby steps. Yeah. Start with baby steps. Um, start with maybe putting together in your own mind a, a dozen people that you care about, but you have not really taken the time to keep up with them during this period of time. Wow. And think about something very simple about saying, "How about coffee one morning?" Um, 
we could do that. We could sit outside, whatever the circumstances, uh, we can make that happen. I've been thinking about you and, uh, and I, I miss talking with you and listening to you. So why don't we just start with a dozen people that each person could reach out to and let somebody, let all those people know that you care about them and that you, um, you want to hear what they have to say and you want to listen and you want to continue being closer touch as from going forward. I love that so much, Beverly, because it's so easy. It's so easy. And, you know, like just writing a list in this joyful journey, or you're listening, this is your homework. <laughs> Write a list of 12 names, 12 people that you care about. And mm -hmm. over the next week, mm -hmm. reach out and connect with them and let them know mm -hmm. you've been thinking about them. That's... Mm -hmm. I miss them. Yeah. That's so simple. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful idea. You know, we get so caught up in our own whatever is going on that um, that we we forget to just reach out and make connections with the people that we somewhere. care about. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I have, um, I guess, one last question for you, and that is, where can people find your book? Thank you. Um, the let me see if I can hold this up. This is the book. It's a beautiful book. It is an English version um, and it is available at lulu.com. Just putting my name in, Beverly Kieveman Copen. Um, and then the other print is very easy, is amazon.com. And you put my name in and the book pops up in English and Spanish as an ebook. Okay, and so, um, you know, you can get you can get it for a very, very low price, of course, on amazon.com as an ebook. Right. And that is, everybody knows how to get books there. Yeah, that, that makes it easy. There's some... But I did just wanted to make sure that, that, you, that everybody knows it is available in Spanish now for the first time ever. Okay, awesome. That's really great. And you include so many beautiful photos in that um, book. They're most, they're all your photos, aren't they? You're an award-winning oh, yeah. photographer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're stunning, stunning photos. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Well, that is it. Thank you so much, Beverly, for joining us today. I really appreciate getting to know you a little bit more. And um, our joyful journey, or thank you for for tuning in and listening to this interview. If you enjoyed the interview, if you want to find uh, Beverly's book, we're putting the links in the show notes. And um, please, yeah, leave us a review on, on Apple, on iTunes, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Joyful Journey podcast. If anything resonated with you, please visit our website at joyfulinspiredliving.com. Sign up to receive a free download of our three guiding principles to inner wisdom and become a member of the Joyful Inspired Living community. For a deeper spiritual dive, check out our retreats. We offer both in-person retreats on beautiful Bowen Island in British Columbia, as well as online retreats that you can do from the comfort of your own home. And finally, if you liked our show, please leave a review so more people can find it and learn how to access their highest self and together we'll raise the collective consciousness.